Section 33 of the Convivio. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Convivio by Dante Alighieri, translated by Philip H. Wicksteed. Appendix 1. The date of the Convivio and its relation to the De Vulgari Eloquentia and the De Monarchia. Dante contrasts the Convivio as a work composed after he had passed the threshold of manhood, Gioventute, with the Vita Nuova, as written before he had crossed it, and he regarded manhood as lasting from twenty-five to forty-five. But since Beatrice died in 1290, Dante's twenty-fifth year, the Vita Nuova, as a whole, cannot have been written in the poet's adolescence, before he entered manhood. The passage, then, can only indicate that the range of emotion represented by the poems of the Vita Nuova belongs to the poet's adolescence, and that with which he desires to connect the cantoni, or odes, to his early manhood. As to the prose work itself, we have more precise indications. When the first treatise was written, Dante had long been in exile, and had wandered over almost every region of Italy. This places us at least some years later than 1302. The first treatise refers forward to the fourth, the second treatise presupposes the first, and refers forward to the third, the third refers back to the second, and forward to the fourth, while both second and third directly carry forward a part of the promise and program of the first. The fourth treatise three times refers back to the third. It departs in one respect from the program announced as general in the second treatise. At least three of the unwritten treatises were planned, in more or less detail, when the existing books were written. Back references generally specify the chapter, four references never. Unless definite proof can be brought to the contrary, therefore, we have a right to suppose that the four treatises of the Convivio were written in the order in which we have them, and that the whole scheme of the book, as projected in fifteen treatises, was already definitely worked out in the author's mind, though subject to modification in detail, when he began to write the first treatise. The indications of date in the fourth treatise are fairly precise. Rudolf Adolf and Albert have successively become emperors since Frederick II, but the election of Henry VII in November 1308 has not yet taken place. Whereas it is implied that Gerardo da Camino, who died in March 1306, is no longer living. If we may infer from the passage cited above that Albert is already dead, we shall be carried past May 1st, 1308 and shall have a very precise date. But though this seems the natural reading of the passage, it is hardly safe to lay stress on it. But further, a comparison of 4, 6, 180 and following, with De Vulgari Eloquentia, 1, 12, 36-39, suggests, though it does not prove, that Azzo of Este was already dead, which would take us past the beginning of 1308. Our conclusion, then, is that the four treatises of the Convivio were begun a considerable time, probably several years after 1302, and were finished before November 1308, 
and that the fourth treatise was begun certainly after March 1306, and probably after the beginning of 1308. The idea irresistibly suggests itself that the election of Henry was at least one of the causes that diverted Dante's mind from the completion of the convivio, and we shall be disposed to regard the whole design and execution of the fragment we possess as belonging essentially to the year 1308 or the immediately preceding years. The close relation of the convivio in general, and of the first treatise in particular, to the De Vulgari Eloquentia, is obvious. Both works deal with the odes, and in both Dante regards these compositions with evident pride, as conferring on him his chief title to literary fame. In both, his thoughts are engaged on the relations between Latin and the vernaculars, though his views, or at any rate the expression of them, do not completely agree in the two works. Compare the Vulgari Eloquentia 1 1 34-41 with Convivio 1 5 45 and following. In the absence of clear proof to the contrary, we are justified in assuming that these two works, including the second as well as the first book of the De Vulgari Eloquentia, belong to the same period of Dante's life, as they certainly move in the same circle of ideas and interests, and take the same view of the general scope of vernacular poetry. Internal evidence confirms this impression. In the De Vulgari Eloquentia 1.12.36-39, Frederick II, King of Sicily, not the Emperor Frederick II, Charles II of Naples, the Marquis John, evidently of Monferrato, and the Marquis Azzo, evidently of Ferrara, are spoken of as though still living. They died respectively in 1343, May 1309, January 1305, and January 1308. On the other hand, Dante is already in exile. This gives us a range from the beginning of 1302 to the end of 1304 for the composition of the De Vulgari Eloquentia, and when we reflect on the political agitations that absorbed Dante's thoughts in the early period of his exile, we shall be inclined to place the composition of the work in 1304 rather than earlier. Against this conclusion, which I think we must accept, two objections may be urged. Villani and Boccaccio both conjecture that the composition of the De Vulgari Eloquentia was, or may have been, interrupted by the poet's death. But, as they speak quite generally, and seem to have no other data to go on than the fragmentary state of the work, we need not attach any special importance to their suggestion. It is noteworthy that Villani gives the same reason, with greater confidence, for the unfinished state of the convivio, and this we certainly cannot accept. Moreover, the passage of Villani itself appears not to be above suspicion. A more formidable difficulty is presented by a passage in the Convivio, in which Dante speaks of a work which I intend to write, God granting, on the vernacular speech, and in which he promises to deal with a subject actually handled, indeed the vulgari eloquentia as we have it. To this, we can only say that, whereas the passage would certainly warrant us in assuming the priority of the first book of the Convivio to the first book of the De Vulgari Eloquentia, in the absence of evidence to the contrary, it does not warrant us 
in ignoring the clear proof that the first book of the Divulgari Eloquentia was written before the beginning of 1305, and the very strong presumption that the convivio was not completed till the middle or towards the end of 1308. For, if Dante took one work in hand before he had completed the other, and this he must in any case have done, and intended to complete the convivio before he resumed the Divulgari Eloquentia, he might well refer to the latter, even when speaking of the parts already written, as a future work. But if this seems straining a point, the reader may suppose that the convivio was begun first of the two, without supposing that it is prior as a whole. But in that case, he will have difficulty in finding time for the long wanderings mentioned in 1, 3, 20 to 33. The general conclusion seems safe that the De Vulgari Eloquentia may be dated 1304, and the Convivio 1308, allowing the possibility in the former case that the work may have overflowed into the immediately following years, and in the latter case that it may have been begun in the years immediately preceding. It remains to examine the relation of the Convivio to the De Monarchia. There are two considerations, one of a general and one of a special nature, which give strong support to the belief that the De Monarchia is later than the Convivio. Both works alike deal with the Roman Empire, and in a general way it might be maintained, with equal show of justice, that chapters 4 and 5 of the fourth treatise of the Convivio are a popular summary of the treatment of the Empire in Book Two of the De Monarchia, or that they are a preliminary sketch of it. But we note that the specific relations of church and state, which form the real subject of the De Monarchia, are ignored in the Convivio. In place of them, we find a short passage on the relations of philosophy to the office of government. Indeed, though, as we shall see, that Dante is full of recognition of the Church as the organ of spiritual truth, he does not seem in any way at all to take count of her as a governing institution. Even in the beautiful passage in which he likens the whole human civility to a religious order, religione, he seems to be thinking rather of the ideal philosophical emperor than of the Pope as the superior. Again, the doctrine of revelation is never in any way worked out in the convivio. The contemplative life is looked upon throughout rather from the point of view of philosophy than of revelation. It is therefore impossible not to feel that the de monarchia represents a more developed scheme and one far more closely connected with that of the commedia than we find in the convivio. After making all allowances for the differences of treatment, natural in a popular and in a scholarly work, we have still to admit that if the convivio were later than the de monarchia, it would constitute a bewildering parenthesis between this latter and the commedia, and would indicate a marked relapse from maturity into comparative crudity. To this general argument we may add a specific one of great weight. In the fourth treatise of the Convivio, Dante criticizes at great length and with unsparing severity that portion of the Emperor Frederick's definition of nobility, which makes 
ancient wealth one of its essential factors. And he defends himself from the charge of irreverence towards the empire in thus disputing the emperor's definition by declaring that it is not part of the imperial office, but rather, as he implies, a part of the office of the philosopher to define nobility. We also attempt to show that a sentiment of Aristotle's, which might, quite indirectly, be brought to the support of the opinion he attacks, does not really bear the construction put upon it by his imaginary opponent. Now, the fact is that the incriminated part of Frederick's definition is really due to no other than Aristotle himself, who defines nobility as ancient wealth and virtue. Politics 4, 8, 9. Dante, then, must have seen the utter futility of his attempt to make out that he is only dealing with the emperor in his unofficial capacity, and with an indirect and erroneous deduction from Aristotle, had the passage in Aristotle been in his mind. It is clear, then, that he did not know it, or had forgotten it, when he wrote the fourth treatise of the Convivio. But in the De Monarchia, Dante expressly quotes this passage from Aristotle, and works out his main thesis as to the nobility of the Roman people, in connection with it, if not in direct dependence on it. Is it possible that after that he could so completely have forgotten it, as to be able to write as he has done in the Convivio? We are driven to the conclusion, therefore, that internal evidence points strongly to the priority of the convivio to the de monarchia, with the general difficulties involved in assigning this, or indeed any other date to the de monarchia, we cannot now deal. End of section 33